listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Pentecost. I say it, Pente. Like pecan trees and pecan trees, tomatoes and tomatoes. Thank you, Jesus. Man, last time I drank Fiji water, it went pretty good. I'm going to drink Fiji water again. Man, this place is awesome. Hungry people like to, to continue to eat. And actually, the Holy Ghost is one of the things you can overindulge, and it's okay. Amen. It's interesting to steward what is becoming, I believe, more and more every day, a New Testament book of Acts church in a culture that doesn't understand it. But I believe that we're not a just a subculture, but we're actually going to define culture around us. Amen. Because the church has just been kind of like a, you know, adjacent to the rest of our life. But to me, the church is our life because it's where we find the greatest relationships. It's where we find truth and it's where we experience and encounter the Lord together. And so some people would ask, as a matter of fact, and I know I say these things a lot, but I just, I want to, I want you to know that I have intention and purpose behind what we do. We don't just show up and just do stuff, but I really believe that we're capturing the heart of God. And, you know, we've been here now for an hour and 15 minutes. Most churches, that's about how long they go total. And that's fine. I'm not against them. We love them. We bless them. But there's something really special about just coming in and making Jesus the primary target. Not a time, not a message, not a particular song, but you just make Jesus the aim and the goal. And to not be distracted with so many things. And Liz mentioned that. I want to read this verse to you. And this was a, a verse to me at the beginning of the year. God really, um, really made an impression on my heart with this. And this is Proverbs And I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. It's Proverbs chapter 4. And in verse 25, it says, Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. How many of y'all feel like the last four months, five months has been one huge distraction? And it's like, COVID, 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 and overnight, Minneapolis, 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 and there's a lot we could say about all of those kind of things, but one thing is for sure is that God hasn't changed. His agenda and his plans haven't changed, and I say we just stick 
close to what he considers to be important. And I'm not saying understanding the times we're living in and dealing with the things of our day are not important. I minister on those things. I talk about those things. But day to day, has anyone been tempted to really be distracted, to look to the left or to the right? I'll be honest that I have, and I have to come back to this and go, all right, Lord, I'm going to ignore life's distractions. And then it says, watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. And so I want to encourage you briefly here for a second. Stick to what's important and don't be distracted with all of the things that are going on around us. And the reason that this is so important is I believe that it's almost like this is like a trial run for us because the days ahead are probably going to become more challenging and not less challenging. And if we're not careful, and I'm talking about your day-to-day routine, if you're not careful, you and I could be so looking at all of the things going on that we forget to stick with the primary thing, which is Jesus. Loving on him, spending time with him, drawing from him. He's the one where all of the truth comes from anyways, amen. How many of y'all would like to know exactly what's going on in our country and in our world? I see a show of hands. You'd like to really know what's going on. How many of y'all believe that there's some things going on that you don't really understand? I think we're probably all in that boat. Well, let's stick with Jesus because he's going to help us understand things as we need to know them. Amen. I believe that's just a word for all of us. So let's stay focused on what really is the most important thing. And I'm not saying that to say that there aren't important topics. There are important topics. We need to discuss those things. And I minister on those things from time to time. But man, Jesus is the most important thing. Praise God. And the thing is, is that he wasn't thrown off course whenever COVID hit. He wasn't thrown off course with, with the, all of the things that took place and are still taking place in Minneapolis and other parts of the world. He wasn't thrown off course by those things. So let's just stick with him. And so we can stay right on course and stick with what God has for us. There's something in my crawl, if I can say that in a, in a good way, that I've had there since I was a young man. And I'm going to talk for a few moments, and then I want to minister to people. And so it is 1119 right now. I am going to be done ministering. Do not laugh at me. You agree with me in faith, and I'm serious. I'm going to be done teaching by 11. 40, and then I'm going to pray for some people, all right? So I've got 21 minutes, and the longer I look at the time, the more time I'm wasting. But when I was younger, I encountered the Lord when I was 18 years old. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was driving in my car, and God filled me with his presence, and I began to pray in tongues, and I didn't understand all of what took place, but as the years went on, the Lord brought me back to that time and began to help me understand the things that that really had taken place. But there was something that was like lodged in me at that particular moment to where I was never the same. There were several things. One was the love of God. I got touched with the love of God. And some people call it the baptism of love. And if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have an opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit here in just a few minutes. But many people call it the baptism of love. And I didn't know any, hardly any scripture verses. I hadn't heard much teaching properly on the love of God, but all of a sudden I knew that God was on my side. I knew that God was for me. I knew that God had a tremendous plan and a destiny for my life. It automatically changed me from the inside out. 
a lot of Christianity is, is built around working from the outside in. But let me tell you that that's not true biblical Christianity. That's what the Bible calls religion because the enemy is always trying to get people to work on what's going on on the outside, their problems and their issues and their junk. Anybody got some problems and issues and junk that you've had to work through in your life, but praise God, God's brought you to the other side, but praise God, it's really the working from the inside out that causes us to manifest what God has for us here in this life. He wants us to know what takes place on the inside. He wants us to encounter the Lord, the infilling of the Holy Spirit that will do something that will forever change the destiny of our life. And that happened for me. And so what happened when I encountered God's love and I began to get a glimpse of the purpose that he had for me and the plans that he had for me, it totally shifted my thinking. Instead of just thinking, I'm going to take care of Kent. Now, I still had a lot of years of, of selfish thinking that was in me that God had to work out, but yet there was still this, in a good way, a nagging in me that said, I've called you for something greater. I have a greater purpose on your life, and now I have come to identify that he has, he has raised me up. He has planted me here. I'm still asking the question, why Perryville, which leaves a lot of excitement for me, but he has raised me up. He has planted me here with you to see another great awakening in this country. I believe that with everything in me, I don't believe it less than I did a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. I believe it more now. And it's been 20 years now since I got filled with the Holy Ghost because I'm 38. I know I look like I'm 28, but I'm 38. And uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. Just say amen. amen. There you go. And uh, so anyway, so it's been 20 years that I've had this going on, and it's only growing stronger on the inside of me. And there's an interesting dynamic when it comes to the kingdom of God and it comes to the, to the Holy Spirit, is that you only have to get filled with the Holy Ghost once, but it's wrong to think that we shouldn't encounter him daily. Because there are, you can read this in the book of Acts, and I'm not going to take time to go through it all this morning, but you can read and you can see that God filled people with the Holy Ghost. He gave them the gifts of the Spirit. He gave them the ability to pray in tongues and to prophesy and do all those things. But as they continued with the Lord and as they continued to pray, they continued to encounter the Lord to where the Lord would come and he would shake whatever was going on, whatever need to be shaked, and then tremendous things would happen. And I don't know if you remember, but when coronavirus started, we were doing a live and I remember standing right here and looking into the camera and saying, that the Lord is showing me, and he told me, and this is still true, that on the other side of this, this is all a smokescreen, and on the other side of this, because right now I'm telling you, we're on the heels, but on the other side of it, we are going to see another great awakening in our country. And I don't want to be left out of that. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of what God's doing. Amen. And so I don't know if it's six months or two months or whatever, or if it's a gradual thing or if it's an overnight thing. I don't know when it is exactly. I don't know how it's going to look, but whatever God's got, I want to be a part of it. And one thing I'm convinced of is that we can't do the works of God without the spirit of God. We have to have God's help. We have to have his spirit. We have to continue to commune and rely on him. And so much, there are so many churches right now that are being shaken. I just heard recently that there are 
approximately, going to be approximately 23,000 churches in the United States closed as a result of COVID. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you, you know what that tells me? Is that there's a lot of churchy stuff that's going on that was never designed by God. And God is distilling his church. He's bullet pointing his church. He's bringing back his church back to the place of relying on him, of counting on him, of preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's what he's bringing us back to. And the ones that will stand with him, the ones that will stand with the cross, the ones that will stand in his presence and declare him as Lord and rely on him and not all of man's agenda, not all of man's stuff, those are the ones that are going to see the greater. And I'm telling you, that is us. We are the ones that are going to see the greater. And if it's only a remnant here in Perryville, then praise God, this is going to be the most mighty, powerful remnant within thousands of miles. Not because we're special but because the God in us is special and because we're tuned into him and we're looking to him Jesus is the one that we started this race with and Jesus is the one that we're going to finish this race race with amen so hallelujah so I I was reading in Acts and I came across this and it really confirmed in me what the Lord showed me that there's a great shaking that's happening and so in a sense it's a smoke screen that the enemy is trying to get us distracted to look at what he's doing to get our eyes off of what God's doing and I know the devil does some stuff but whatever God does is way greater than anything that the devil could ever conjure up amen and I want to keep my eyes really fixed and focused on Jesus and so also at the same time There is a great shaking that's happening. There's a great shaking that's happening in the world, and there's a great shaking that's happening in the church. This is exciting. It's annoying. Can I get an amen? It's like, come on. I just want to go out and sit down in a restaurant and whatever. You know, it's annoying, but it's also in a sense, and I'm not saying that God caused it, caused it or allowed it, but in a sense, it's almost necessary because there's some things that need to get out of God's way. There's some people that claim to be followers of Jesus who need to get out of the way because all they're doing is they're doing their, all their religious stuff and they're not really seeking after the heart of God. I'm going to come down a little bit so I don't get too cranky sounding, okay? So, but there's, shaking can be a good thing. But look here in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, Acts 4 and 31, it says, when they had prayed, and I'm going fast because I'm almost out of time. What time did I say I'd be done? 11.40, Okay. So it says here in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, and when they had prayed, notice that it started with prayer. They were persecuted and then they prayed. They had problems and then they prayed. You know what I find at the heart and the root of every revived people when you read and study revival history, you know what you will find or awakening history? You will always find people Even if it be a remnant, you will always find people on their face before the Lord. I think when I look back and and listen to how some of them prayed, I think, well, I don't know if that was the best way to pray or or totally the right way to pray. And I listen to even how some prayed, and I think that's not even in line with, with some things that maybe Jesus did and told us to do, but at least they prayed. That's the deal, is that we can't rely on God if we're relying on ourselves, And you can't rely on God unless you first find your, your, your place on your knees, on your face, not begging God to move, 
But asking God to help you get out of the way enough so that he can move through you. It's about learning to cooperate with God. And if we can't listen to him, we don't fellowship with him, we don't find ourselves in that place of humility first to where we're praying, then we're going to miss the heart of God because God has a heart for your life and he has a heart for our lives together corporately. He has a heart for this region. He has a heart for the state, for the state next to us and for the whole country. And we can't find any of those things outside of going and getting before the Lord and saying, God, show me, reveal it to me, open my eyes, make it known to me. And the reason God set it up like that is because if we could just automatically know the details, human flesh gets in the way all of the time and we would just run away with it and we would leave God in the dust. Come on, we've seen these things happen before. It is my declaration, it is my heart that we will continue to walk step by step with the Lord, but we will always go back and find ourselves in a place of prayer a place of going before the Lord saying, God, we have to have you. We have to have your Holy Spirit. We have to have your help. We have to have your revelation because grace isn't stored up for from now until we go to be with the Lord. His grace gets renewed to us every day. I don't have time to get into that at the moment. And so if his grace gets renewed to us daily, then we have a responsibility to go to the Lord daily and say, Father, I thank you that it is already provided, but Lord, I thank you that you're going to show me how to walk and manifest the grace that you have for this day, for this hour that I'm living in. Whether it be a physical day or it be a month or a season that you're in, there's grace for then, and the only way you can access it is by faith going to him saying, Father, I'm in communion with you, I'm in relationship with you, and thank you for revealing it to me. And so there's this really interesting dynamic of not going to the Lord, because a lot of people, when it comes to the Holy Ghost, they want to beg and they want to plead and they want to say, God, please, we don't have to beg God. God wants us to have his good stuff more than we want to have his good stuff. So there's this place of faith and actually faith deals more with the past. Listen to this. It deals more with the past and hope deals more with the future. We have a great hope of seeing tremendous things in the Lord, but we have a tremendous faith of what God has already done, of what he's already established, of who we already are in Christ Jesus. We have great faith in what God has done. So when we come to the Lord, we come boldly, already knowing that he wants great things, but then understanding his plan, his strategies, how he wants to go about things, the condition of our own heart where God would say, look, I want to use you, but you've got this junk in the way. Would you, would you be willing to listen to me? to where I can help you get that out of the way because it stinks to high heaven. Come on now. That's not legalism. That's relationship. That's what a good father does with his kids. You ever had one of your kids that just had a nasty attitude? Come on now. I mean, none of my kids did that have at all. So I can't call that stuff out from the pulpit. But anyways, you know how kids are from time to time, right? They got bad attitudes. It's no different with us and God. Do we not want our kids to prosper? Of course we want our kids to prosper. We want them to have all of the best in the whole world. But sometimes when they're in a rotten place in their heart, if we bless them or advance them or increase them in that time, when they're doing that, all they're going to do is step into something with that bad attitude, with that issue going on, they're not going to grow and they're going to have more influence and cause more problems in people's lives. So a lot of times the Lord bringing increase, it's, it's not about him withholding. It's his mercy that says, hang on, let's make a few adjustments here. And as we continue to walk with the Lord, God will do that to us personally. He'll do that for us corporately. Hallelujah. But we can always know that God's on our side. And it's not about, it's never about begging God. It's always, we go to him in faith, but we have to go to him. And I, and I want to be really careful how I say this. I came from 
um, a, lot of, a lot of influence that it wasn't that prayer wasn't important, but it wasn't the first thing sometimes. And to me, prayer is always the first thing. And we can have a lot of debates on how we pray because I see, I've seen some squirrely praying going on throughout my days. We need to pray in faith. We need to trust God. We need to pray the word, but we have to pray. We have to come to a place of humility saying, God, we have to have you. But look at this. It says, and when they had prayed, verse 31 of Acts 4, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. I said, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. There's a shaking that's going on. And it's a good thing. You know why? Because the next thing says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know what we need in this hour more than anything is we need tremendous amounts of people that have hearts and lives and mouths filled with the power, the presence, the word of God that they can go forth in boldness, but they can't do it on their own. We can't do it on our own. We have to have the help of the Holy Ghost. So a shaking, prayer happens, then shaking, then you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and then we see signs and wonders. If you take this verse here as, a, as an outline of what could be. But I believe it always comes back to a place of humility and prayer. And then when the shaking comes, don't you get rattled. Don't you get shaken. Stick with your faith. Stick with God. Know that God's got this thing. And he's going to see us through to the other side. And he's got, a, he's got his plans are so great on the other side of this thing. I'm telling you, it is awesome. Anytime I go to thinking about the future, I have so much hope in my heart. I'm just bursting at the seams of like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. What God is doing and what he's getting ready to do. It's awesome. He just needs people to say, Lord, I'll do it. And I'll put all of your agenda ahead of my own agenda. I don't want to go down that road because I'll never come back. Let me tell you, listen, when the Holy Spirit, turn with me to Mark chapter, excuse me, John chapter 16. John chapter 14, actually, we're going to start there and we're going to work up to 16. I'm going to show you these things really quickly. There's a lot of probably misunderstanding and I have T minus six minutes. My math is not good. I'm not a mathematician. Six minutes I have left, all right? Help me, Jesus. Okay. There's a lot of um, probably misunderstanding and just a lack of of knowledge, generally speaking, about what the Holy Spirit does. And I'm going to give you a very quick outline of what that looks like here, straight from the Word. So John chapter 14, and and we're going to start in verse 16. But I want you to notice something in every one of these verses I'm going to read here in these passages. It talks about the Holy Spirit as being a helper. This is extremely important. And um, the word helper, I'm going to press you really quick here, is the Greek word parakletos. I say it parakletos. And I can remember that. So when you're playing soccer, you get a pair of cleats because they help you run. Amen. Although nothing would help me play soccer. So that doesn't, that doesn't even help. But you can remember it like that, a paracletos, all right? Not that you need to remember it, but just not that you need to remember the Greek, but remember this, that the Holy Spirit is your helper. Why did Jesus say we needed a helper? Because we needed help. Because we couldn't do it on our own. And I think probably they looked at him and thought, oh, he's just so amazing. He's so anointed. He's so majestic. But the reality is, is that Jesus was a man and had God in him working through him as a man. 
And that's not to lower Jesus on any level. He's the most amazing. He's the one to be worshiped. He's the one to be adored. But the the truth is, is that God worked through Jesus as a man. And what he was telling his disciples is that the things that I did, and he even says this, the works that I did, you will do. And even greater works you'll do. Why? Because you have the same helper that's coming to you that was given to me. That should light a fire. That should put vision. That should put something in you that makes you think. There is more to what I'm doing here on this earth than what I'm currently experiencing right now. And you know what you need? You need faith people. You need faith preachers like me that will stand up and say, God's got more. He's got greater. He's got the better. Will you believe with me? And who cares about where we didn't see it or where we missed it? That's not the issue. Because the enemy always wants to, to bring you back to, you know, you prayed before and Grandma Susie Q died and, you know, you da-da-da-da and bring you to all your failures. Everybody has failures. I'm not looking at the past. I'm looking at the future. And what God says concerning what his helper will do for us is incredible. And look here in John chapter 14 and verse 16. And it says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And really the helper, if you break it down, it's one who comes alongside to help. Because para, remember parakletos, para means alongside. So you're the one that has the authority and the Holy Spirit is the one that comes and works with you in your authority here on this earth. Very important. It says that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So this was the promise that they had because they had never had the presence of God on the inside of them before. Up until this point, he had only dwelt in buildings. Man, if you could put yourself back in their shoes, everything in their life concerning their relationship with the Lord came through a man or men, the priests, And it was inside the tabernacle or the temple. And it was the Ark of the Covenant in the temple or the tabernacle, depending on what time period. That was their relationship and their understanding of the presence of God and the person of God. And then on the the occasions, like when they came, they were in the wilderness. They were led around by a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They had some things like that, but generally speaking, the presence of God dwelt in a building. So for Jesus to say this was totally mind-blowing. We say it and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of us. Wait a second, I don't think we really understand fully what has happened. The Bible says that now your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't live inside of a building. He lives inside of people. He lives inside of his born again, recreated, regenerated, made alive unto God, spiritual people. That's where the presence of God lives. And he said that I will be with you, that he will be with you, and he'll never leave you. And in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. God didn't leave us as orphans. Man, that's awesome. He didn't leave us fatherless. He didn't leave us without any help. Man, that's awesome. I don't have time to camp on that anymore. To the next one, because I have two minutes and three more points. I have one minute and three more points. Verse 26, because I want to pray for some people. It says in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will what? Teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is the true teacher. If you don't know something, ask him. How can you ask him? Because he lives on the inside of you. 
Well, what if I did something wrong? He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You need help out of your situation? Go to him. He will teach you. He will instruct you. He will help bring to your remembrance anything that you need to know from the word. God will reveal it to you. He is your teacher. Jumping over to chapter 15 and verse 26. Look at me go now. Verse 26. It says, but when the helper or the advocate or the comforter, I like helper really well. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit hasn't come to testify of you. He's come to testify through you of the Father, of Jesus. That's what the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you for. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Let me say this really quickly. As much as he's there to make you feel good, to, to catch your tears, to fill you with joy. And all of those things are good and fine and great. I partake of all of those. It's awesome. The reason he was given to you and put inside of you is so that you would open up your mouth under the unction of the Holy Spirit and from him through you would testify about what Jesus did, about the fact that he really did die on the cross and he really did raise from the dead and he really is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we really are seated with him. And there really is a heaven. And get this, there really is a hell. We got some folks saying that there isn't a hell. This is so prevalent today and you need to totally dismiss it. Go to the word for yourself. We have people saying that there's not a hell. Or there is a hell, but there won't be people end up there. Read your Bible. For those who don't call on the name of the Lord, their eternal destination is not with him. You have to call on the name of the Lord in order to be saved, period. Amen. But I don't have time to preach it, but you are right. That'll preach. John 16 and verse 7, listen to this. I love this. John 16 and 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. (laughs) I just just don't have time to stay, stay here, but I have to... If you, were to t- if you were to tell people, see, we, we place the Holy Spirit on such a low level. And the way we know this is because he's here every week. Every time we come here, he's here. But if there was some way that I knew and that I could announce that Jesus in person was going to show up here, the whole town would show up. Am I right? And most of you would probably be more excited. Bless your Peter, put in the heart. <laughs> Jesus said, it's better that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world. This is what he's going to do. He's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I've heard this preached wrong for so many years that I'm going to preach it right in T minus 30 seconds because I'm already three minutes over, which we all knew I was going to do anyways. This has been preached that he's going to come and convict you of your sin. Wrong. He's not going to come and convict you of your sin. I'm going to prove this to you from the next verses. But I've heard people say, Holy Spirit, I'll come and convict you of your sin. 
Now look, there's a fine line here. And I've had great discussions about whether the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin or not. In your own life, he will reveal things to you that you need to change in your life, and that could include sin. But the idea of conviction, like condemning to hell because of your sin, that's not correct for a believer. It's correct for an unbeliever, but it's not correct for a believer. Listen to what it says here. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. It gives us the answer. It says, of sin, because they, who is he speaking to here? He's speaking to believers, to the disciples. He says of sin because they, who's they? The ones who are not believers, the ones who are not disciples, the ones who are not part of him. They do not believe in me. So the world, the sin that the world is going to be judged on and not believers is whether they believed on him or not. Well, I'll say everybody will be judged on whether they believed in Jesus or not. It's not about individual actions. That's not what he's after here. He's after what did you do with my son? What did you do with Jesus? That is what the world is going to be judged on. And for us and for them in particular, they're going to be judged in accordance with the fact that they put their trust in themselves and they didn't put their trust in Jesus. But verse 10, it says of righteousness because I go to my father and you, now he's speaking to disciples, you see me no more. This confused me for so long. I thought, what is this talking about? He says, of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Why did Jesus go to his father? He went to his father because he took the blood that he poured out and it was put on the mercy seat in heaven so that, so that all of the judgment, all of the conviction, all of our unrighteousness was placed on Jesus and covered by his blood on the throne room in heaven. And he says, because of, of, of righteousness, it's because I go to my father he went to his father and righteousness was imputed unto us. It was given to us because Jesus went to his father. Come on, someone give me a shout. Amen. And it says of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. And you know what? He, if we will listen to him, he will, we can even feel the conviction in our hearts for the people that are lost that we need to do something to help them get saved. And he is convicting the people that are lost that they need to get saved. And you know what's missing? Us opening up our mouths to bring that conviction that's in our heart to preach to them. And the conviction that's on the inside of them that they need to be saved. That they need to know God. It's us meeting up with them and telling them that you have to have a relationship with Jesus. You must have it. It's the most important thing. He's convicting the world of that. He's convicting the world of righteousness that through Jesus is the only way you can have righteousness. But once you've been made righteous, your unrighteousness doesn't undo his righteousness that he's given to you. Every time you sin and every time you mess up, the enemy, the enemy will come and say, look what you did, you filthy worm. And people think that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't convicting you of unrighteousness. He's convicting you of righteousness. Why? Because the blood of Jesus that was spilt on the altar in heaven oh, in front of God the Father was enough to cover all of our sins. So the Holy Spirit is telling you, you are righteous. You are righteous. You are right with me. I've made you right. The God has made you right through Jesus. You are righteous. That's what he's saying. That's what he's convicting you of. I am more convicted now than when I first got born again that I'm righteous, that I'm righteous with God. Why? Because I live holy? 
I live a whole lot holier now than I used to, but it has nothing to do with my actions because my actions have never been good enough to keep God at peace, to live at the level that I needed to. It could only come through Jesus, and that's why Jesus will come. And if you listen, the Holy Spirit will come. If you listen, he will convict you and say, when you are at your worst, but you have a relationship with Jesus, he will convict you and you, he'll say, you righteous son or woman of God, get up from the dirt, get up from the pigs, get up from the garbage, and go back because your father is waiting in the house to put a ring on your finger and a robe on your back so you can eat the best so he can kill the fatted calf because it all belongs to you because you put your faith in Jesus you're just not acting like it right now but it hasn't changed your true identity that you have in me and if we'll listen he will and listen there's people that go well people will just live in what listen (laughs) read the story of the prodigal son man He ran to the Father. He ran to him. They embraced. Love will cover everything. Love will cover a multitude of sins. The grace of God, if truly preached and truly understood, and righteousness, if truly understood, will cause people to rise up from the ditches and rise up and take their royal identity, their rightful place in Christ. It's completely opposite of what religion has been teaching for years. Religion has told people, and, and browbeat people of you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong and you've, you need to be, forget all that stuff. Look to Jesus, look how he's made you and God will fix all the wrong stuff in your life. And he's also here to convict, convict us that the enemy's been defeated. He's a done deal. I listen to people talking about all the stuff the devil did. Man, forget the devil. Rebuke him occasionally when you need to. Remind him of who you are and who he is and what Jesus did to destroy him. And then you just walk in who you are concerning who the devil is. And that is that you have authority over him as a son or daughter in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, this stuff gets me excited. Thank you, Jesus. Aubrey, would you come and play for a couple minutes? Here's what I want to do. We have T minus 11 minutes. And here's what I want to do. No, we don't. This is a red church. Some of you saying, well, I'm getting hungry. Are you hungry for the Holy Ghost or are you hungry for, for lunch? As far as I'm concerned, you can, you can go eat if you need to. It's no problem. God bless you. But we're going to spend a few more minutes here with the Lord if you're all right with that. Amen? Even if you're not all right with that, we're going to go ahead and do it anyways. Because that's what happens when you pastor a church. You get to make those kind of decisions. Hallelujah. Man, who in here loves the Holy Ghost? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. If God is changing your life through this ministry... Join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.